Greetings, you're on Deep Background for March 8th, 2017. Dave Helling with the Kansas City Star. Uh, no, normally we talk sports on this little podcast, or news, I mean, but today we're talking sports uh, because of the start of the Big 12 basketball tournament, which is a big deal. Joining me, Steve Vokrot with the business staff here at the Star. Steve, great to have you with us. Thanks for having and me. And then Blair Kirkhoff with the sports staff. Uh, Blair, you and I have been chatting a little bit. Seems like this is the biggest deal in Kansas City almost every year. Certainly the biggest sporting event outside of a World Series or an All-Star game. It's one of the biggest things we do in Kansas City. On an annual basis. And it's, you can you know, plan your calendar by it. I, I think that's the, you know, we, we have our chief season and our royal season, and those, uh, those certainly are economic drivers for, for, the, for the area. Uh, the Big 12 tournament, though, we, we know it's we know it's here every year, uh, or at least it has been for, I think it's 16 of the last 21 years in, in Kansas City at, in, in, the, in the form of the Big 12 tournament, and it's here for the next four years. Uh, this is, actually is the first of a four-year deal that runs through 2020. So yeah, you can you can basketball fans plan their calendars by this. Certainly the ones at KU and Iowa State do who uh, who support this thing in a big big way. You, you do get the sense that. The Big 12 understands the importance of the tournament to the region and likes what it gets in Kansas City in a way. Otherwise, they might have rotated it more than they really do. Absolutely. Just this morning, I, I attended a, uh, a welcoming news, fluffy news conference about, uh, about the Big 12 tournament. They do it every year. But, but Sly James is there, the mayor, and, and Ronnie Burt from Visit KC is there, and Brenda Tennan from the Sprint Center, Kathy Nelson from the uh, Sports Commission, uh, all come out and greet Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner. They all come out and say nice things about Kansas City and, and the event being here. Um, it, it, it is a big deal for Kansas City. And the Big 12 recognizes that no city can do it as well as Kansas City because they've tried doing it elsewhere. It's been in Oklahoma City and it's been in Dallas. And the response wasn't as great. Uh, the, the Big 12 likes to emphasize an experience for the student athlete. And whether we believe that or not, um, here's the thing. I always say that the best day of the Big 12 tournament isn't the championship game on Saturday or the semifinals on Friday. It's the first night on Wednesday. And it's because you'll get four teams at Sprint Center who usually aren't Kansas, Kansas State, or Iowa State. So they've come usually from right. Texas. They come from a long way. And there'll be ten to 12,000 people in Sprint Center watching four teams that – and these fans didn't come up from, from Texas. They, these are Kansas, Kansas State, and KU uh, or Iowa State fans watching basketball at Sprint Center. These kids will be playing in front of more people at Sprint Center tonight than they will in any of their home games this right, year. Right, right. And plus they're playing for their lives. And I playing mean, for their are... tournament lives. That's right. If they lose, their season is done. Right. A victory keeps them playing for another day. But that's what Bullsby and, and others mean by the student-athlete experience. That part is true and it's good, but it's also great for the Big 12 because Kansas City rolls out the red carpet for now, this. Now, Steve, you can talk to people around town who will tell you that the whole point of doing the Sprint Center and really the Power and Light District, Kansas City Live, was specifically to keep the Big 12 tournament coming to Kansas City. That, that, that you know, it's great the other parts of the year, but if you didn't have a, a, a decent arena, if you didn't have the Power and Light District, they might, the Big 12 might well have gone somewhere else. Do you think that's an exaggeration or true? I think that, I think there's a portion of, I think that's, true is a part of a bigger picture of why the power and light district was done. I mean, certainly they, you know, they were having it in uh, the Kemper arena for a number of years, but 
you know, I think I think the way that and, and Blair could speak to this too, but I think the way that sports, particularly college sports, has evolved is yes, it's trying to kind of drum up this big scene, if you will, and you can't really have that scene any longer, at least not what that modern scene looks like in Kemper Arena and the West Bottoms as it is today. Um, Kemper obviously was showing its age, but uh, I will note that they did do the renovations to Kemper in the late 90s in part right, to try right. to keep the Big 12 as Right, I mean, it, it. It, it is fair to say that this community has done about everything it can to keep the tournament from, uh, from going to other communities. Right, right. right. Well, Has it been worth it? Do you think it's worth it? I mean, I, the interesting thing to me, I mean, I've said to people over the years who complain about the cost, particularly the Power and Light District, the Sprint Center, it kind of pays for itself, earns some money, does okay. Still some people upset that they don't have a pro franchise, but beyond that. But the Power and Light District, which costs $11, $12 million annually for debt service now out of the general fund, is still arguably a good thing because it got rid of what downtown was, which was a disaster. Right. So how, how do we evaluate the tournament vis-a-vis the decisions made down there in your view? Well, there's, like anything else, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. I mean, if you want to take a strict actuarial analysis of it and say, you know, this is the money that's been spent in downtown, this is the money that will be continue to be spent until 2045 when the bonds are paid off, that's going to be like $10 million, $11 million a year, as you said. You know, there's a, there's certain services that the city can't perform because they don't have that money, or they can't perform as well as they might have otherwise done. Now, there is a less strict analysis that you could do and say, look, look at what downtown was. Uh, Kansas City was not in a position of strength when it was at the negotiating table to redevelop downtown. There was a recognition that downtown needed to be fixed quickly. And I think it's not hard to say that that was accomplished in a pretty meaningful way when Power and Light was done. I mean, just, you know, you can look at the entertainment district, but look at what's starting to go on around it. You know, you're getting a lot of multifamily development. You're, you're even starting to see office come back and jobs come back to downtown. And I don't think that's possible without, um, without the deal that they made. Well, I was going to add to that. Um, as we were talking to Big 12 officials and city officials this morning, uh, uh, at their introductory news conference, the Big 12 does this every year, you could hear the construction of the apartment building that's going up, right. uh, the luxury apartment building that's going up at the corner of Grand and, uh, and 14th Street. Right, right. Uh, I'll go back. This will be the—I've covered every Big 12 tournament, and I covered the last, I think, eight, seven or eight Big 8 tournaments. So this is my—I'm pushing 30 years of covering these <laughs> conference tournaments, and I certainly remember what it was like to— to go down Genesee, and the fans did congregate down there. And there was a nice party atmosphere along right. Genesee. They didn't close the street, though, like they have to close Grand and, and create a festival-like atmosphere here. But what happened in the late 90s was Dallas was planning its new arena, the American Airlines Center, and Oklahoma right. City was planning its new arena, which became the Ford, now it's Chesapeake uh, uh, Energy, Energy Arena. Yeah. right? And Kansas City had no plans for development of downtown, and they were playing an aging camp arena, which Steve is right, the uh, Big 12 told them, you better refurbish this thing. And I think it was about a $20 million refurbishment of camp arena. That, that's where the glass facade comes from that faces downtown. And uh, and even that wasn't enough. It was not enough, not compared to what Dallas and Oklahoma City were doing 
with their downtowns. Well, and, and also what's forgotten in that is that the Big 12 itself has changed. Kansas City made a lot of sense when Nebraska was in the Big 8 and Colorado was in the Big 8 and Iowa State because it was sort of centrally located for those fans, much easier, easier for a Nebraska fan to come down to Kansas City than somewhere else. But when the Big 8 became the Big 12 and changed and Nebraska left and Colorado and left and Missouri left, then Kansas City is really on the northern edge of what the Big 12 has become. So it makes it harder to keep the tournament here unless you do those things. Is that right, Blair? Absolutely, that's right. But, but the league also uh, experimented with trips to Dallas and Oklahoma City for the tournament, and, uh, and the attendance was poor. And the tournament was in Oklahoma City the year Kevin Durant played for Texas, his one year at Texas, and they played Kansas in the championship game and didn't fill up the arena in Oklahoma City, and none of the games in Dallas filled the arena. The games in Sprint Center, uh, especially when Kansas and Iowa State play, will be right. packed to the gills, right, packed right. to the gills. So, 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 what, so Steve, what... Blair just talked to us about how we have a four-year contract. What lengths should the city go to, should the area go to, to try and make this a more or less permanent thing? Well, or can they? <clears throat> well, I think I think there was some misgiving for a time, and I think it's kind of been overcome given the success that the tournaments had. That you know about Missouri leaving and having a Big Twelve event in the state where there's no right. There was a lot of chat of that it, yeah, there are no Big Twelve members in the yeah. city where the tournament. But I you will, know, I will remind that the Pac-12 tournament's being played this week in Las Vegas, Nevada. There is no Pac-12 <laughs> team in Nevada. In, in Nevada. Right. Well, and I and so I it think, happens. Yeah, it happens, and, and it happens with other sports, right? I mean, they they have the the Big Twelve women's soccer tournament at Swope Park. Yep. Uh, they've had that. At there at that new soccer development there. So I think that fear, that concern has been overcome. But, you know, again, when you talk about money and what it means to the city, uh, you're kind of talking about two different things. So d does the city make money strictly on the Big 12 when you look at it? I don't know. I don't know that any sports really are as a whole, when you when you account for public subsidies, there's been a lot of studies on this issue that, you know, do, do sports pay off for cities? Right, and right. There's, a, there's thinking that generally no. But there's a lot of substitution is a problem too. People right. go to the tournament instead, instead of going of to a movie theater, or something right. like that. And or the net effect is zero. But, yeah, but, right. but listen, it, but it doesn't, but it does, you need to account for Iowa State fans yeah. and who come here in, in droves. And I think the figure that, that Ronnie Burt uh, put out there today was a $13.6 million economic hit. hit. And I'm wondering, really, is, is that yeah, right? 13.7, 13.5, yeah, right. that's pretty yeah. precise. I mean, those those calculations are always a little bit nebulous. But, I mean, there's a lot of things that government does that don't make money. I mean, that, you know, transportation, for example. I mean, there's things that just aren't really meant to make money. And if you look at sort of this... Uh, intangibles like the civic pride and just, you know, I mean, I'm walking through there on my way to uh, come back here. And even though there's not a lot of people, all this, you know, they're setting up all the scaffolding and all the event spaces. And it's just kind of a neat thing to have in town. And, um, you know, you know, the story I always tell is uh, Bob Llewellyn, you may remember Bob on the mm -hmm. city council. And he, he was a big booster of events like this. And I remember interviewing him once and saying, but but Bob, it's going to cost taxpayers X, Y, or Z. And finally, he said, "You know what, Helling? Sometimes you do things because you want to do them, not yeah. because they make money or lose money. It's just a good thing to have." And I think maybe the Big Twelve tournament falls into that category a little and, bit. And I think there was a uh, some fortunate timing here in that uh, when a lot of this was planned, uh, Kay Barnes was the mayor. Kay Barnes, whose father was a basketball coach. Right, right. I, I actually, and she really, when I talked to Steve earlier about this idea that the the, the Sprint Center and Power and Light was really about to 
tournament, she she actually said that on more than one occasion. So so her involvement was no question for the original idea was to and this again going back to the late nineties was to refurbish municipal auditorium and right. put a uh, a national association of basketball coaches national office in there along with a, a basketball hall college basketball right, hall in of the fame basement, in, in the, the basement, basement of Kevin municipal Gray auditorium was in, involved in that exactly. Um, they checked it out and saw that it just wasn't doable. There wasn't enough space. Um, and, and why limit yourself if you're trying to do something big? And I think that was that combined with the idea that Kemper was aging, that the, the, the venues in Oklahoma and Texas were coming on board. That's when uh, the idea, I think, for the power and light yeah. and sprints. Now, I do right. need to throw in a little bit of a, a discordant note here. Because it is, while it's all these things we've talked about is true, the fact is Kansas City has three arenas now. It's got municipal. It's still never really figured out what to do with Kemper and eventually recently sold it to some developer who wants to turn it into a youth attraction. And, of course, Sprint Center, that... You know, that's a bit of an issue, isn't it, that the city, in essence, built three different arenas to try and keep everyone here? I spoke to Ed Ford, who's been on and off the city council over the years about this a few years ago. And he said, he told me that one, the worst vote he ever did was to do the refurbishment of Kemper Arena. Which George they, Blackwood was behind that, who ran for mayor in the 90s. And, right, yeah. right. And... Um, so, you know, he said that was a bad vote because of all the money that went into it. And, I mean, they, they just got done paying off the debt service. To them. Right. It was about $2.5 million There was a, a ticket year. tax involved and some other stuff to, to pay that. Right. So um, so, so I, I think it's a little bit reflective of um, some of the maybe lack of discipline that, we, that, this, that city governance has had over the, over the last few decades. Right. I mean, they've, they've been progressive in some elements. But, yeah, I mean... Having all these arenas well, is a visual example yes, of some of the... And, and really, I wrote a column recently about the lease agreements with the Chiefs and Royals out of the Truman Sports Complex, where I talk about this idea that you ought to start thinking about these global questions now and not wait, as they did on Kemper, and, until the threat was, the tournament is going to leave. If we throw $20 million at it, we can save it or whatever. And you end up in these binds because there's no long-term planning um, and you get the sense that maybe at, on that level we need to do that too, to start thinking you don't want two baseball stadiums, you don't want two football stadiums. I mean, you have to start thinking a little bit about those tough questions, it seems to me. Well, I, I would also throw in the Independence Ice Center. Well, I, well, Silverstein, I guess, is what it is now. So for, so the, the arena in Independence, which seats 6,000, and has right. had big basketball events out there. Um, uh, there had been talk of... of Putting an arena down in Olathe, uh, adding another 6,000-seat arena in Olathe. Right, and there's talk about expanding the Sporting Kansas City venue yes. out in western Wyandotte 8, 8, County. Putting more seats there. And you can hear yak about the Chiefs building a new stadium out there. So, I don't know, it just seems to me like this is a good occasion for Kansas Cityans to start focusing on what's the, hello, what's the most, the bombs that are falling here, no, the, the most efficient, effective way to deal with these events that we clearly want to have in our community. Right. And there's, there are some discussions, I think they're going on a pretty low level, about what are we going to do about baseball in particular? I mean, is there an opportunity to move it downtown? But I think a lot of the discussions are happening among people who own property downtown. And right. Could theorize, you know, and we will, don't get will the, benefit from but, it. But we should be clear, you know, those, you know, Sprint was about $280 million cash. 
the power light is what it is. You start talking about building a new baseball stadium or a new football stadium or both, the cost to the community is enormous. And one of the things I tried to write about and I think is important is you're right, Blair. There are going to be a lot of people at this tournament this weekend who don't live in Kansas City, Missouri, who come to see it. We've got to figure out a way to ask them to help pay for some of this stuff, uh, particularly out at the Truman Sports Complex. You can't ask Jackson County taxpayers alone to come up with $2 billion 10 years from now to build two new ball right. parks, I don't think. Well, I, I still hear from out-of-town visitors when they rent a car at the airport. Uh, Yo, it's when, killer. When, they, when they get that bill. Uh, that, it's yeah. one of the highest car tax rental rates in the nation. Right. But you can't turn to that again. That's not going to provide the kind of money that you would need if you start doing the stuff that Steve's talking about. And, and that, was that was the Sprint Center. Stadium. That was the right. basically to help pay Sprint Center. Right. And so, but Sprint Center itself may need some capital improvement. I mean, they're already starting to talk about maybe it's starting to fray a little bit. Ten years old this year. Ten years old. So, in your your reporting about the Republican National Convention, you know, some of the discussion there was, yeah, some of these facilities aren't adequate at Sprint Center, which is a relatively new arena. Um, to host right, and the, and the question then, of course, is do you want to spend the money for a one-time event, Right, which is why the tournament, it seems to me, is so important, because it isn't a one-time event. It is arguably the most important uh, sporting event, as we suggested earlier, Blair, and it's also, you know, on the roster of things that happen in Kansas City of any type, it's it's a pretty big deal. It, it's a... It's a big regional event. It, it occurs at a time when other major conferences are having their conference tournaments. So if you're attending the ACC tournament or the Big East or the Pac-12 or the SEC, you think you're the center of the college right. basketball universe. I know Kansas City feels that way about itself and the region as well. And, and having been around this the sport for as long as I have, I, I can assure you that this event draws better than just about every right. other one. And it, it's amazing that it does. Right. And and just to sort of wrap up this part of the conversation, I, I'm an alumnus of a Big East school. Their tournament is in New York City. I'm guessing there aren't a lot of podcasts in New York today about the impact of the Big East tournament on Madison Correct. Square Garden. <laughs> so it does really, it, it, it is a bit uh, outside uh, outsized here. Okay, quickly. What kind of tournament can we expect? Is it, it? I think I've read some things that it's wide open. Although Kansas is clearly the favorite, ran away with the right. with the regular season. But here, here Kansas won the uh, the regular season by four games over a group of teams that are tied for second. And yet, Kansas' average margin of victory for a team that went sixteen and two in the conference was five points. They played a lot of close games, right. a lot of overtime games, a lot of games that came dead that weren't decided until the final couple of possessions. So Kansas is the favorite and should be. They've won seven of the last, I think, 12 of these uh, events. But I would not be surprised if somebody other than Kansas won this. And game. just breaking news, they've lost one of their players for at least the first game. Right. right? For the first game, Josh Jackson, the freshman, uh, will not play. Uh, Kansas will play the winner of the Oklahoma TCU game, which is Wednesday night. Uh, Josh Jackson will sit out that game, which is Thursday. The second game on Thursday starts about 2 o'clock. He was involved with uh, in a traffic accident in February and didn't report it, failed to report uh, backing into someone's car, didn't leave any information. Bill Self didn't find out about this until earlier this week and decided to suspend Josh Jackson for the first game. Yeah. And then by the, we should also point out, Steve, that um, it, once the, this tournament is over, the NCAA is coming to, right to Kansas City. After, after a week. Yeah. Uh, it, the, the regional finals, the, the Sweet 16. Can we expect a kind of bump from that, you think, if there's a Sweet 16? Uh, I mean, that's an important thing, too, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly doesn't hurt. But then it depends on, you know, 
what the what the seating is in the bigger bracket. Right, the it could, yeah, what you, teams you end know, up you end up there. with Duke or whoever. Well, but but here's the thing: it, it, Kansas is set to to be one of the teams in Kansas City. There'll be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, the number one seed in the Midwest region, the Midwest region finals are in Kansas City. But Kansas City may be better off if Kansas isn't in the in Kansas City from a you know economic. Because more people would more come people in from and, out of town yeah, would come stay in. Stay in the hotels. And those However, kind of the whole thing is designed for Kansas to be here. Yeah, great. All right. Well, that's uh, our look at the Big Twelve tournament. The uh, I, I must say I love it because it's it means spring is here. Uh, that's why <laughs> I really like the Big Twelve tournament because after a cold winter, you, everybody gets to go outside. I mean, there's a little bit of just sort of the first lawn mowing. Happens yeah, yeah, it's just sort of yeah, time. and people are wandering around, and you can wear a jacket but not a heavy coat and gloves. That's that's always a good yeah, thing too. Right. Steve Vokrot with the Star, thanks for being with us. Blair Kirkhoff with the Star, thanks for being with us as well. Thank you for listening to uh, Deep Background, the Star's news podcast. We urge you to tell your friends about it and subscribe and tweeted and do all the other stuff that I don't really understand, but gets us out there somehow. Again, thanks, fellas, for being with us. For now, you've been on Deep Background.